Judges Judges ready? ready? Melissa, what if instead of an introduction, this week we just take like a 30 second nap? Um, okay. Great. Let's start. So will you just cut this from the episode later then? Uh, No, I'll I'll leave in 30 seconds of silence. Okay. Do do you have a pillow for me or anything like that? No, just, just close your eyes and relax. Okay. But how much time is left? Um... Uh, about 10 seconds. Okay. I just think we might want to find some like relaxing music to play because, you know, podcasts are an audible medium. All right, time's up. That's, that's a great idea. I I do feel really refreshed. Yeah. Now that we're rested, this week Kurt and I are doing our best to interpret what judges really mean when they use language that is difficult to understand. This This is is Forensics Forensics Faces. sick Kurt. Hi healthy I hope Melissa. I'm very healthy. I'm healthy. I'm very well rested and part of that is because we didn't compete yesterday. Nope we had the the day off of forensics which was really really nice. It was beautiful and well timed since you are not regular. I gotta say I think if I had had to go to a forensics tournament yesterday in addition to finishing up the run of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof I probably like I don't think I would have made it. I don't think I, either. I barely made it through Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and that was with, like, basically doing nothing yesterday except laundry. But I hope everyone is appreciating just the deep, deep bass of your voice right now. We'll see now. if it translates I into, hope it, I mean, it sounds great in my headphones because I am feeling it. <laughs> but yeah, you were just sick and did laundry yesterday. Yeah. I went and then stage managed a show and yeah. then we struck the set. Yeah. I, <laughs> comparable to that, I slept in, as I told you, until the start of round two. So yes. approximately 1030. <laughs> uh, and then my roommate and I went to brunch and then we were going to try to think of something like great and worthwhile to do with our time. And then we just came home and watched the first half of a season of Great British Bake Off and then watched a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with our other roommate. Amen. If we haven't talked about uh, Great British Bake Off before on the podcast, like we highly recommend it. It's one of the best shows. And as I was watching it, I was just reminded of how refreshing of a show it is to watch in comparison to some of the other television and content that I consume. It's just nice and everyone is baking things and they're all helpful it seems like a really good show for spring yeah it's just lovely yeah so yeah and then i just did that again today and then i I baked a pie today for your fiance because he and i have the same birthday yeah and so we celebrated early today before we recorded so there's just a beautiful pie sitting upstairs gorgeous you guys thank you we should take a picture of it okay tweet it we'll tweet it but yeah, I, there's a 50, 50 chance. We'll forget to do we, that. There's a 90% chance. <laughs> I'm going to forget. So that 50% is just not nice. Um, yeah, I, because the one weekend I didn't go with to the tournament, which was Hortonville, mm-hmm. I was still like having a full weekend right. because I was not in my home. And the so. one Saturday we took off of forensics for new London mm-hmm. that like North took off. I, that was our tech rehearsal all day for, the play. Yeah. And then we did CFL qualifiers on Sunday. So yeah, neither one of us has really had much time off in, no. in quite some time. And then for fun, we get together on Sunday and record a podcast. Yeah. But to be fair, like we are really only recording this podcast 
because we're going to watch Drag Race later. Okay. Because the new season well, of Drag Race came out on Friday. The cat's out of the but bag. But Kurt was busy, so now <laughs> I just came over a little earlier than the rest of our friends so that we could quick record, and then we'll get together and watch Drag Race. Of I'm which so excited. Katie and I made snacks. We were having a themed drink because mm-hmm. uh, when we did our Oscars episode and we filled out our, like guesses katie and i decided that whoever lost we would then have to make the drink for when we had our drag race party and katie and i lost so so badly to you <laughs> i think you won by like a solid 10 points Something like 10 like categories it, but it was like 11 for a second yeah and then it was, and then it was back to it was 10. back to 10 or something like that so check the twitter feed it's in there yeah but uh as we've talked about many times kurt and i are incredible drag race fans it's the best show on television it literally is it's so delightful i'm so excited and i've been we've been looking forward to this like we were as we were talking on friday i was like i have a christmas morning level of excitement to watch drag race yes it's gonna be great i love it so much it's gonna be great so it's going Um, to be a very nice cap off to our weekend off but a lot of our friends were competing yesterday either brookfield east or arrowhead yeah and so, yeah, or for those of Milwaukee you, CFLs oh, that yes. took place in conjunction with yes. uh, the Brookfield East tournament. tournament. So kudos to anyone who's taking kids to CFL Nationals. Congratulations we'll see you there. All. Uh, message us so we can meet up for our um, adult time. Yeah, because we can we can stamp that passport. Stamp that passport. Hashtag stamp your passport. And then, yeah, um, like, you know, I did. We should probably mention that, like, even though we took yesterday off, we did not go a full week without being at a forensics tournament. That's true. Because, because we, we did actually help at, is, is it the Fox Valley River Conference? Fox, Fox River, River Valley, Valley Conference? Conference? Yes. At um, St. Lawrence Seminary. Yeah. So our beautiful and talented friend, Antonio, invited us, of all people, yeah, us. to come and run his tab room for him uh, for the WHSFA, <laughs> uh, what turned out to be their conference slash, slash district. S- yes, yes. Thank you. That was the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many terms that we just don't know. Yeah. But thank goodness, because we had HSFA director slash president. I don't know what to call Adam. He's, yeah. The executive director. The executive director of the HSFA, Adam Jacoby, was there sort of like overseeing slash just hanging out. And he was there to answer all the questions that we had yep. because being FCA folks, we had a we had ton a couple of questions. Them. Yeah. And I also had lots of questions about the St. Lawrence Seminary High School campus, which yeah. Antonio <laughs> happily answered being someone who works in admissions. But yes. yeah, it was really interesting because that's not the kind of term we go to. They have categories that we just don't have. Mm hmm. And there are categories we Anymore. have that they don't. And yeah. so it was very and interesting. And they have interesting rules. Like the the time limit rule for radio was really interesting mm-hmm. to me that like uh, it's like for every 10 seconds you're short or long, you deduct a point from their total score. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, that's very really interesting. interesting. Mm-hmm. And just um, seeing the form of their, uh, their evaluation sheets, that's what yes. they're called. I kept calling them critiques, but they're not critiques. I'm just seeing the form of them and seeing how differently they get filled out, how... Mm-hmm frankly, little feedback they actually provide to their students comparable to what we do. And it definitely gave me a sort of reality check about us talking constantly about how much is the correct amount of feedback, like visually what it looks like and seeing some of those ballots and seeing kids just get the word like, nice job underneath something and how frustrating that could be and how, yeah, it was just very interesting to take in and one of the inspirations for what we're talking about today. Well, we've made no bones about the fact that HSFA and WFC are very different organizations. Mm-hmm. So, and I still hope at one point to get Adam on the podcast yeah. to uh, 
to talk, talk about, about that it. because he, for many years, was uh, a WFCA coach. He coached mm-hmm. at Rufus King for many years. He competed at Rufus King. Mm-hmm. He worked um, for the National Friends League. He worked League. for the NFL. Uh, he worked internationally on uh, speech and debate. And now he is running the HSFA. So talk about somebody who has seen forensics from like every angle. Yeah, I'd he's love, walked the whole way around. I just, I love getting his perspective on things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and also it was just a really nice time to catch yeah. up with, with Adam while we were sitting there. So, mm-hmm. and just passing stories about yeah. all the people that we know and him asking about people who are, that he remembers from his time and yep. him also telling great stories about them. So it was really great to hang out with him and get to see Antonio and his element and yes. like see their campus and eat my weight in pita chips because there was nothing else I could eat. Yeah. But, but it was a great time. I was. very much enjoyed it. Thank St. Lawrence Seminary Campus is beautiful. Antonio. Thank you, Antonio. We enjoyed ourselves, even though he kept checking and being like, are you guys okay? Are yeah, you guys okay? Like, yeah. Everything is interesting to us. We're fascinated. <laughs> We're just fine. <laughs> also, they have a campus dog who tried to eat me and Henry, I did not appreciate it. Henry. Henry the Hilltopper was so rude. So rude. I just wanted to love on him because I love dogs. And I went towards him and he was not having me at all. He sensed your feminine energy. I know. Exactly. Like, what is this? This is weird. Stranger danger. <laughs> like yeah. was coming at me. I literally had to shut the door between <laughs> us. I did not appreciate it. So I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, so uh, this week we're talking about a topic that I'm really curious to get feedback from people after we're done. Because yes, this one, is one of the ones where we want you to talk I, to us. I really, really bet that we're going to say some stuff that people are going to disagree with. But two, I bet there's a ton of things that we're not going to cover that people are going to be like, but wait, what about this? Yeah. And so this week we are talking about uh, how to interpret judges comments when they are a little generic or vague um, or maybe ones that you see all the time and you're just wondering, what does that even mean? Yes. Um, and so to be fair, this is something it. that we could have like done an entire series about sure. because it's one of those things that whether you are a student or a coach, you get on that bus and you're like, what the actual cuss word are they trying to tell me <laughs> to do? <laughs> because... Ever, because of the way that our state is set up and we have people coming from so many different directions and because the FCA doesn't require like adjudication certification like the HSFA does, mm-hmm. people are trained in different ways. And so we put that burden on our coaches. But it's one of the reasons we try to have a coaching clinic to provide skills and tools to judges. The FCA has a judging handbook for you to rely on that has things yep. like words and things that you can use and how to phrase things. But because of the size of our state and the differences, even regionally, it can be really hard to go for some people to travel somewhere they don't normally go mm-hmm. and see how different judges are and some of the like straight up wackiness that they might suggest yeah. on a critique sheet. So Kurt and I have had this discussion many times and we're like, you know what? Podcast. That's yeah. the best place to do it. Well, and even from some really good judges, I think it's easy to... Uh, write something and think that they'll they'll get what you mean. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have to remember when we're judging to be as specific as possible with our comments. Yes. Because so often a generic uh, comment just doesn't help the student that much. And it, it might leave them a little bit confused. So um, we came up with some, some examples. And again, I have a feeling that we will get uh, more examples from people as mm-hmm. the week goes on and we really want to hear from you again these are just the ones that we we went through with the critique sheets that we've gotten from our mm-hmm. students and tried to pick out the ones that are the biggest offenders we'll say but slash the most common yeah and and let us start from the jump i have said these things 
I have oh, written yeah, these I, things on I critique sheets at some point in time, and I we'll talk when we get towards the end about what from the we'll talk about this from the judging aspect. But right now, purely coaching student competitor. Amen. So the first one I put down was good energy, and I think this one actually has two meanings. Yes, and it depends on the situation. So I think if this is the first of many positive comments that you get. It usually means that you're just a really engaging speaker. You've managed to capture the judge's attention. Mm -hmm. If it is one among very few positive comments, I hate to say it, guys, but I think that what that means is there's a lot of work to be done. Yep. Because I think this is a go-to comment when you're struggling to find something positive Mm -hmm. to comment on. And as a coach who does her best to train her judges, I will say to them, if you will feel like you cannot say anything nice, normally we would tell you not to say anything at all, but there are things you need to comment about. So you can like comment on their energy. Mm-hmm. And again, for me, when normally if I'm writing it, it's because I'm commenting on how engaging a student is. Right. How like I like to write it then. Yeah. Like when you mean it and then yeah. you're like, whoa. But I you am really more just hit me with a ton of good energy and I can write good energy. Yeah. And then I can go on to say a bunch of other stuff. Like that's different. But sometimes it is like that thing, if it's just a, a like and I see it on my kids' critique sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm coming at it from a coach. Like when it's one of like three positive comments, I'm like, this is just a generic nice thing to say. Yeah. And so I try to avoid, if I mean that someone has a good energy, I will find other ways if I'm talking about the engagement level to Mm -hmm. say like, you are an engaging performer. You have the audience in the palm of your hands. The performance you're giving is incredibly gripping. Mm -hmm. Trying to think of things along those lines or like you got me right off the jump or like we are yours from the second you begin talking, like thinking of something more specific to say. But if you genuinely mean good energy, and this is something I'm going to say a lot as we go through these, just give, just, just do a little hyphen yeah. and then something specific about it. Like great energy. You, there is a, a lightness to your performance or you're incredibly engaging, like something that follows mm-hmm. that. But if you're using it as a placeholder, then a student, like students know that when you like write good energy, they're like, Oh, they couldn't think of anything else to say. Yeah. Especially if they're ba- if their critique is a four or five, <laughs> they're like, right. Right. Oh, that's all that that's, that's helpful. For me. And that's the other, that's why we bring it up because mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Who's no. who's seen good energy on a lot of their ballots and be like, Oh, they weren't really complimenting me. Judges specifically, like just know that when you do that, you're not actually helping mm-hmm. um, to, to pull out something that the student can hold on to as something good that they can continue to work on. Yeah. And I do that all the time. Like if, if somebody really has a lot of work to do, I will put things that they can work on still in the positive aspects of performance because it may be one of the more positive aspects of their performance, but Mm -hmm. they can still continue to grow Mm -hmm. and, and, and in that way. So, you know, don't, we want both sides to be full. And the reason they started doing that whole system is because there were too many judges who were writing just negative the whole way through. And so the way we fixed that was by reminding you, you have to write something good and something bad. And then you, and then you have to write something that justifies your rank. Like there, those are there for reminders, Mm -hmm. Uh, but really good judges should be doing it anyways. Yeah. Here's something positive followed by something that you can improve upon. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say the same for you look like you're having fun or this has a lot of potential. Yes. If those comments are one of only a few, they're space fillers. So students just try to ignore those. 
keep working, work with your coach. Judges, try to avoid using them if, if mm-hmm. it's just a filler. Yeah. And if you are going to use it, the, the best thing to do then is to set that hyphen afterwards and then do something specific. There's so much potential in this hyphen. If you work on your comedic timing or if you mm-hmm. work on your climactic build, those sorts of things. Because And as someone who's worked a good amount of intake tables now, the idea of handing to a student a critique sheet that looks perfectly even on both sides is not necessarily like the best of goals because I am as someone writing things in the like areas of improvement that are like a negative thing in a student's mind. I never consider them really negative, but an area to improve. And then like a hyphen, you're really good at this portion of it, but then work on this. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the times what you're putting in those columns isn't necessarily where it fits there, but you start off in one side and then finish in another. So when you're, when we're saying like you can give them an improvement while it's still being a positive aspect of performance, like it's just a good way to justify. I often have uh, the potential line under justification of rank because it's, it's often what I am trying to encourage them to keep working. Like this piece has great potential, but here are the three things you need to work on before you're going to get above a four, Mm -hmm. you know? Pretty essential things usually. So, yeah. um, and I never write it if I don't mean it. Yeah. If you if you've if you've gotten a critique from me and I've said you have great potential, I'm not filling space. Yeah, I will I never lie it. to you. I mean that I see this becoming good. Mm-hmm. It just maybe isn't at the moment. Yeah. Um, next, fill the room with your voice. Uh, which this comment, in all honesty, is never really actually about someone's voice. It's just someone trying to find a less specific, maybe scientific way of talking to you about projection Mm -hmm. and like breath support. Yes. Which I, being non-choral raised, know (laughs) nothing about breath support. And I think that that's something that like, that's why I like, and this is what I'm guilty of using all the time. I, and so if somebody is just quiet or a little shy sounding or like I'm in the back of the room and I can hear them, but I kind of have to lean in (laughs) the, what you be saying lean. Right. And this is something that, you know, I've worked with my students on too, because a, a student who commands attention from the room with their voice, like, they will get higher scores. And the judge sometimes doesn't even know why. Mm -hmm. But even though they can hear perfectly somebody who like just barely they can hear or somebody that they are listening to that just like is so easy to listen to, they're going to give it to the person who's easy to listen to. So, but, but again, it's not really about your voice. It's not about your vocal cords. It's not about simply being louder. What you want to do is you want to make sure that you are taking deep, meaningful breaths, that you are using your diaphragm to push that air up and through your throat. And then that way, you are supporting your voice and you are pushing the sound to the back of the room. It is, it is about pushing the sound you are already creating, not creating more sound. So if that's a way to help people think about it, um, if you have been in choir, it's the same type of, of uh, process where you would go from a mezzo to a forte. Like you, you want to push more air, you want to create more sound, but not just through your vocal cords because that's the fastest way mm-hmm. to have your vocal cords break down on you. Yep. So it's about breath support uh, and and don't be misled by the term, you know, use your voice. Uh, Your vocal cords are already doing all the work they need to do. Push more air. Yeah. Support your voice. Projection, not volume. It's it's often just figuring out how to teach students the difference between the two, which can be hard, especially if you are someone who, when Kurt just said, 
mezzo and forte. Like I, I literally just like blacked out for a second because I have no idea what those <laughs> words are. So just figuring this out. This would to- be a fun workshop to do. Oh my, it would. With, uh, with a bunch of coaches. There you go. Doing some, some breath support and diaphragm Next year's training. coaching clinic. All right. You can, I'll, I'll pull you up for it. Dan but- Berkey, you're on retainer. <laughs> the idea of teaching projection versus volume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was an interesting one that I've seen a few times this year, which is just like a gross phrase. It's, but, but, and you know what? I think it's kind of old school because it I is. know, I know these judges and I know they come from a certain line of thinking about how speech should work and yep. they're using this phrase and the phrase is don't chew your words. It's just so, I, mean, I think that I just am triggered by the word chew and didn't realize <laughs> it until we were looking at the script for this week. Um, yeah, it's again, that idea of supporting your voice, but mm-hmm. for some of them, they're also also telling you to like articulate, yeah. but without like overdoing mm-hmm. it. And it's also, I think part of it too, is it's become popular in uh, modern speech patterns to have a little bit of vocal fry, especially in girls. Yeah. So they'll like talk like this. And again, what that's doing is it's putting your voice in the back of your throat and that doesn't take you very far. <laughs> um, so so again, yeah, like you said, it's half and half. It's vocal support. Get it out of your throat. Mm-hmm. Make the sound come from your diaphragm, from your belly. Um, and then also articulate, because I do think sometimes that's what they mean. Yeah. Uh, just let me understand when you say a T or a D. Yeah. And some, they'll also use the phrase, and I'll say this too, don't swallow your words. So, yeah, and that's another way of talking about that level of articulation. Mm-hmm. And also remembering there's a difference between articulation and enunciation. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, The idea of developing slash changing slash varying your tone. This is tough because I think tone means a different thing. It means that it genuinely means something different to everyone. And Mm -hmm. we talked about this at one of the coaching clinics that we did this year about what difference of tone means. And so for some people, it's like, actual story tone and presentation tone, like mm-hmm. the the setting that you have put your audience in. For some people, it's like when you were talking about female vocal fry, which it's not just a female thing, but it's easiest to give an example of with female vocal fry. Uh, but it's the actual it's tone. Not, of, I, yeah, it's not just a female yeah. thing, but it is a trend yeah. in teenage girls. Right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. That's what that's what I meant to say. Not yeah. that it's a female problem. No, no, no. But it's a trend I get in teenage you. girls. I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying. But it's a thing that, that I always feel called out. <laughs> um, but My it's white the, privilege. My white male <laughs> privilege. Yeah. Just standing up for uh for my lady friends. Uh it's the idea of like whether or not you are working on that tone of voice if you have figured out like being your engagement tone of voice and it can it's it's for me it's those like three very separate like things but there are even more of them that people are talking about like some people just think that tone is just whatever it might might be for them and maybe it means something different musically but when I'm talking about tone I'm either talking about your like level of engagement in your voice so your tone of voice being whether or not you are reading your prose like this mm-hmm. and turning up your sentences or you just are not speaking in the appropriate way for your piece. Like we had this discussion outside of podcast. I saw a prose <laughs> piece where a girl did a very sad, very upset prose piece, but she did it from a very happy, optimistic place. Right. And I was so confused. My eyebrows were trying to hide up my forehead because I just did not know how to react to her. And so most of my areas of improvement were me telling her, about how to figure out 
finding the differences in her tone of voice mm-hmm. and developing an appropriate tone for her story tone. Yeah. And so despite what anybody might mean by tone, I think the problem is always the same, which is just the kind of that not sounding interested or yeah. engaged in what you are saying. Mm-hmm. There's some disconnect happening there. And so I think the secret to that, if you're getting a lot of comments on tone, like you need to re-examine your relationship to your own piece. Yep. You need to, as I, I wrote this down in a way that I felt proud of. Um, oh, here it is. If you focus on being interested rather than sounding interesting, the tone will follow naturally. Which like, that's a soundbite for y'all. Cause like, that's, that's exactly what it should do. Because if you yourself are not connected, mm-hmm. you cannot expect your audience to connect with you. And so things to do to be more connected. If you have never really read like the full source material, your piece has come from yeah. like, maybe go read it. Yeah. Like if you were doing a solo Hummer solo series and your piece is coming from a full play, go read that full play. If your coach found your declamation speech and cut it down from a 25 minute thing, go listen to the whole thing and sort of figure out what the intention is. Cause I don't know what that gesture was. Uh, when you figure out the intention, then that can definitely help with your personal connection. If you haven't figured out what that is yet. Yeah. Next up, and again, I think these are terms that often get used interchangeably, but yes. I would say have different meanings, but hard to define. Pacing, rate, and speed. So, first of all, variation is always good. Yes. Like, I've, I've never come across a piece where I was like, Your hmm, piece is too different. Yeah, it's too varied. <laughs> like, you had, <laughs> you had too many different rates of speech. Which um, you probably actually mean something different. If you've ever written that down, it could be that there are too many different characters, yeah. that there are too many plot points happening in a piece, that there's more than one climax, which has happened to me. Yeah, that's true. You, there are other <laughs> things that you're talking about rather than, like, it being too varied. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is a tough one to try to say like exactly what judges mean because they could mean so many different things. Um, because sometimes reading or performing or speaking faster is a good thing. Like it's appropriate. Um, and taking time to really measure every word in speaking or prose or, any storytelling, like it could be, could be really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no right or wrong of being fast or being slow. Cause it shouldn't be one thing. Um, but I think the best way to do that, if you're seeing a lot of comments about speed, most of the time teenagers, it means you're just speaking too fast. Your nerves are getting the better of you. So a tool that we'll use to do that record yourself, mm-hmm. physically record a memo on that. Their smartphone you got and listen to yourself back because you might find that you sound ridiculous, like a crazy person, but also, <laughs> and, and you might, and that's just you like outside of round, right? Like in round, and you unders- probably speak even yeah. faster. Use that same voice memo and make it go 25% faster. Cause that's what you sound like in a round. Yeah. And you- then put it at 0.05 or point or 0.5. And then that's how you should probably yeah. almost sound even maybe slower than that. Yeah. But, and sometimes for me, when I'm talking about pacing, I'm talking about what you were saying, the idea of when it's appropriate to speed up, when it's a good idea to put in a pause. And uh, I really like what you wrote in the parenthetical of Thank this you. section of our script, which is, remember, periods and commas are there for a reason. Yeah, because when, when I'm talking about pacing, that's almost always what I'm referring to. Is like, yeah. You could be speaking at a rate, at a, a speed that is perfectly natural, but if you never stop between a sentence and you never separate a thought and you do the entire piece without ever taking a breath, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, 
pause. Like the period, like periods and commas are there for a reason. Observe them. A good tool that I will use is that I am never afraid of my students in the, in the category of interp writing inside their binders on their sheets. Mm -hmm. So I will write in, I mean, I, I don't know if this is like all of these things I learned when I was a student director for Ty Wesleyan High School. So I don't know if they're actual real things other people do. <laughs> but when I want a student to take a moment for a pause or a beat, I'll put in one or two like backslashes. Sure. Or if I want something to speed up, I'll draw a little like like arch underneath that those words should become connected together. And so writing notes like that to yourself also, you can go in and type stuff like that out. Like if you need to pause between a word, you can physically tab between those words yep. so that you have to actually see that space and imagine the, that space being in your physical presentation. Like don't be afraid to put these things inside of your actual script or manuscript or whatever you refer to it as because those visual clues for some of us are the best way to put them into our physical presentations. Yeah, very good advice. Thanks. Um, all right, and this next one, you and I are going to fight about. Yep, I'm so effing stoked. We're, re we're ready to fight. All right, okay, so I'm going to say my piece, and then you can say your yep. piece. Is we're that We're talking okay? about working on flow. Yes, flow. The word flow. So I learned in high school from Dr. Homestead in my Capcom course that flow is a nonsense <laughs> word that doesn't mean anything. And I take that with me, and I often, and here's an, I, I know where you're, what you're going to say, so I'm going to preemptively... Uh, Fine. Well, no. It's I'm, okay. I'm, I'm tipping my hat to what you're going to say, <laughs> which is that there are some judges who can say flow and they can explain what they mean, and that's not what I'm talking about. So often, work on flow is the only thing that's there. And even I, as a coach, look at that and I'm like, what does that mean? Because mm -hmm. And part of it is that I don't know how the student performs in the round, but like I'm looking at the student, I'm hearing it, I... Like, okay, like, what is flow? <laughs> like, how do I make them flow more? And in, in that, uh, that composition class, it was about flow and writing. And so that was where he kind of really said, like, you know, that that's, it's a nonsense term when it comes to writing because, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many other ways that you can describe, uh, you know, the cadence of, of writing or uh, the ability for one thought to connect to the other, like, but what is flow when you're talking about a Farrago or what is flow when you're talking about an oratory? I don't know what that means judges. And you have to be specific. So now yes. you, now you can talk for me. Flow can mean one of two things. And again, as I said earlier, for when I write some of these more generic terms, I'm always then going to hyphen justification. If I'm saying work on flow, it's going to mean one of two things. Working on flow is a way to talk about, the actual pacing of it. And it normally comes from one of two places, working on flow being working on the conversational flow of what's happening. If you're popping between characters and you're doing it in an unnatural way where you're like, there's no actual conversational flow, nothing about it is natural. And we are then very, it's very, it can be very jarring if sure. you're trying to have a conversation in your piece and there's no actual conversational flow. And so a lot of times flow is just how you describe something being smooth and making sense. But also there's the idea of narrative flow, which is more of a comment on the cutting of your piece. So especially if it's a material that people might be more familiar with, people can be really heavy on exposition in a piece and not focus on like actual character building or characterization. And then there can be a complete, there's no like story building. Like there's not that little roller coaster they taught you in the fourth grade of where you're like, 
learning about the story, and then you're climbing up to the climax, and you hit the climax, and then there's a resolution. If your piece is lacking... Falling action, also known as the denouement. <laughs> Thank you, Kurt. You're welcome. Uh, if I'm... That's what, those char- that's what those charts say. Yes, it I'm is. Sorry. You You remember much more than I. You are smarter and wiser than I. I, I just get remember it. that weird French word. <laughs> but if I'm talking about, like actual narrative flow it's because you are lacking those things in your prose and i'm not saying that every prose necessarily or every piece has to have those things but almost always they do like there needs to be somewhere you are taking your audience and if you don't take them anywhere we just anticipate and wait for it and then you get that moment where the student closes their binder and you're like oh you're done okay so for me when i'm talking about flow i'm either talking about your actual conversational flow or your narrative flow. Or sometimes if I am watching someone who is doing a poetry piece and they're doing a slam poetry, I might be talking about like actual like word flow and whether or not they are enunciating and presenting it smoothly. Sort of like a hip hop flow. Hmm. Hashtag John Balser. Don't just, listen. But you just named four different kinds of flow and I'm still confused. So <laughs> well, fine. As, so I guess it's if you're going to use never it, say just it. be... Just make sure to explain it like Melissa just did. The basic, the basis of this is that more likely than not, you are writing something when you might mean something more specific. And that specificity is what a student needs. We talk about this all the time. A majority of students who are coming to a forensic tournament are walking away with only those three sheets of paper. Yep. That is all that they are walking away with as proof of the effort and energy and time and frankly love that they put into their presentation. And so if you are not putting in the effort, then they are walking away. You might as well be empty handed. Yeah. If they are just going to throw away your critique sheet, which Sometimes I have done. They do. Yeah. And as a coach, I've done, I will tell a student, they'll be like, I don't know what any of this means. None of this is actual critique. None of this is constructive. I have very dramatically walked to the front of the bus and like thrown a piece of paper in the trash. And like, <laughs> Don't worry, I've got your score written down somewhere else. Your NFL points will be fine. But if we focus on specificity and actual constructive things, then students are getting more. And for me, don't be afraid when, especially if you're working on areas of improvement, if you have a specific exercise or idea of how a student can work on something, take the time to write that in. If If they are someone who is like talking too quickly and you would think, It'd be a good idea if you would just record yourself to hear how fast you talk. Yeah. Write that down. Don't be afraid. Don't think that you can only allow to coach your own students. Mm -hmm. If you have a technique that you know works for you, write that on a critique sheet so a student can work on it. And if, and again, for those judges who are not coaches and maybe don't have that vocabulary, just remember to be as specific as possible. And I guess if you don't know what you mean by it, like if you're using something generic because you don't know how to describe it, move on. Yeah. <laughs> like don't, don't write something vague because it will just confuse the student. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really tough as a coach to work with a student who's confused. Yeah. Um, it, they can maybe feel a little hurt or put down by a comment, but if they understand it, you can work on it. Mm -hmm. If it comes to you as a coach and your students just confused by something, they don't know what it means and they, but they want to get better and you're trying and you have to look at them and be like, I don't know what they mean. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that's, it's really disheartening to yeah. work with a kid who's like taking the critique seriously, but the critique doesn't say much. Yeah. One thing, and some people will disagree with me about this, but I have done before. If you are looking at a critique sheet and you're like, there's something off about insert vague thing here. Like there's something off about their energy, but I don't know how to word it. Mm-hmm. Like, fill out the rest of your critique sheets. And when you go to the intake table, say, yep. can I just get a piece of advice? There's something off about this thing here, and I'm not sure how to word it. Yeah. They might be slightly annoyed about you taking the time, but they're going to be more grateful that you ask the question. Yeah. Like, there's take advantage of the intake table. There are going to be people who know what they are doing and have been around. They have been entrusted by the tournament host. Yeah. Take a second to ask, hey, I just don't know how to word this. Do you have a piece of advice? And almost always they'll be like, They'll ask a few follow-up questions and then provide to you a more appropriate terminology to use. So use the tools and people that you have at hand. That's a really good, good advice. Thank you. So if you have things that you've seen on judges sheets that you just don't understand. And you know, you all do. You know you do. We want to hear about them. Let us know. What did we miss? What do you disagree with? Uh, I'm sure there are many, many, many more examples of Mm -hmm. vague judge comments that you see all the time we want to hear about it so let's turn the comments of the facebook post for this into a thread for it so when this goes up on facebook write in the comments of it and let us know what that is obviously refrain from calling out certain judges because that's just not nice everybody be nice but let us know what the vague comments that really sort of set you off are use the comments for this post to do so yeah excellent Thanks. Good job. All right. Uh, don't forget, we have a new episode of Retro Forensics Faces coming out. Like this a, we Wednesday. really, we really do have we one, really guys. Do. We had some uh, technical difficulties with our last. Yeah, that, when we tried to episode. edit it, it was not kind to Kurt's so ears. So we're still working on it. But uh, this week, we do have our interview with Crawford Lavoy, who spoke to us about balancing life as a coach and a career outside the school system. It's great and yes. he made me feel like crap about myself but in like a really inspiring in an way inspiring way plus his accent is just so <gasps> charming so dang he is charming from the south so uh look forward to that in your podcast feed on wednesday morning forensics faces is recorded and edited in sheboygan wisconsin our theme song was written and performed by jj hammeister if you are a fan of forensics faces please give us a rating on itunes stitcher or wherever you might listen to your podcast those ratings help other people find us and again there's still a few days left in march so hashtag tripod more information is available about us at forensicsfaces.com and you can connect with us on facebook and twitter by searching for forensics faces i'm kurt and i'm melissa encouraging you to listen think and speak Preferably in that order.